Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Lori Holden from The Walking Dead and The X-Files, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now, your hosts, Scott, Miles, and Anna. Your table is ready. Live long and prosper. This is the capital. We have a little problem with our entrance sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 187. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening. I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. Hi, I'm M. Sierra Garcia. And welcome back to our show. We're glad you're with us at the diner as we serve up all sorts of interesting tidbits and news and uh, all sorts of goodness. Oh, yeah. How's everyone doing there? Uh, Miles, it's been, what, a month since you've been on the show here? Yes, and... uh... I would have rather be at the diner than... I, I heard you were at a sort of diner. I mean, that, the rumors have it that uh, there was a lot of imbibing going on. Listen, it was a very important <laughs> team-building activity. We had... Wasn't... And didn't we discuss the fact that he was at, a, like, a, a work function, like a training exercise? A professional exercise. Yeah, professional. Yes. So tell us about this professional this, sure, exercise. I'd be, I'd be, this was very professional team-building activities, folks. Um, we had um, mm-hmm. horseshoe, ho- horseshoe tosses, beanbag tosses... And me watching my peers drink as much beer on the company dime because there was an open bar. Um, so it was, it was very important and professional. I had to be there. Okay. Did they do the trust fall then, like right after that? I mean, oh, there were people falling, but for different reasons. So no, not not so much trust falling, just falling. Just just falling, yes. And is, is my understanding that after they woke up the next morning, they were expected to pay attention acutely to the things that the company was presenting. Absolutely. There was an important 8 o'clock meeting uh, everybody had to be there for. And so, Was everyone there in time? I, I think everybody made it, but uh, whether they retained all the information presented is uh, anybody's guess. <laughs> but that's what you have at these uh, kind of functions. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. good. Very good. Well, we missed you, Miles. I, I, I missed you guys. I'd mm-hmm. much rather have been here. The Argyle sock just didn't quite cut it. No, it didn't. <laughs> no, despite, uh, I mean, M does voice work, but despite that, it still didn't quite cut it. Yeah. It didn't work. It didn't. I, I, there's, no, there's, there's no substitute. There is no substitute for Miles. No. That, that, that needs to be our catchphrase. Right there's there. no substitute for Miles. That's right. Well, they are these, uh, <laughs> you can get these personalized bobbleheads. Uh, right, right. Well, that might look work. Into that. Yeah. that might work. That mm-hmm. might work. Um, how in the heck are you doing? You're like fresh off the floor of Comic-Con New York. Oh, I've been doing nothing special. <laughs> right, right, right. 
Oh. I am fresh back from four days of New York Comic Con, and I, I can't. I, I we don't have enough time for me to talk about all the amazing and all the awesome that was there. It was definitely the biggest con I've ever been to, and. Uh, I, I'm just in awe, in awe of everything that that happened and the people that I saw and the people I got to meet and the stuff they had there. And it's just, it it made sure leave, it, like, we have good cons here on the East Coast and we're getting Otacon next year, but this was just, this is the baby brother to San Diego by far. And I I, I was... I think at one point I was in a corner crying because there was just so much input and so much, so much visual and and audi, aud, audible stimulation that it was just my my brain just I had the um, Apple gray screen of death. <laughs> nice. It was bad. It was bad, but it was amazing. Amazing. Well, we're going to so hear cool. we're going to hear some of your top moments a little bit later on in the podcast. Sure. So, before we get into our menu tonight, it's important to note that we are a part of the Chronic Rift Network, along mm-hmm. with many other great podcasts. Um, and so, if you haven't checked them out, make sure you check them out. And uh, if you are looking at doing any shopping or getting into the holiday season right, be sure to check out our Amazon affiliate store on our site. And uh, I know I've used it already. You know, when I had to buy stuff, I'm like, oh, let me just do it through this, and you get a little bit, of, a little kickback comes back to the diner and helps support uh, what we bring you a, each week. And so, if you're shopping anyways on Amazon, check out our check out our website. Amazon has just about everything you need there, and um, you'll be helping us out by doing it. Except Felicia Day. Sorry. They really do have everything there. They really do have pretty much everything there. It's pretty amazeballs. Yeah, yeah. Except for Summer Glow. Sorry. I know. You could get stuff with Summer Glow on it. And That's you can get stuff true. <laughs> That's right. You can get the newly released season six of The Guild. Awesome. But other guilds are available. <laughs> I cannot believe they're at six seasons of Guild. I know. It's the last season, too. Oh, wow. That- it's done. I'll tell you more. I've been getting a lot of Felicia Day watching um, uh, Eureka lately. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. She was precious. Absolutely oh, precious. Oh, she's adorable. Yeah. Is it Penny? That her yeah. character? She plays oh, anyway. Holly. No, no. Penny's Holly. the Dr. Horrible character. And here's tonight's menu. So uh, we're we're, we're be interviewing a gentleman later that uh, M had a chance to meet this past weekend, uh, Raul. I'm going to try to pronounce his uh, name. Uh, Maybe M can pronounce it. Nope. Well, actually, I met uh, met Raul Aguirre. Um, He has a a really cool podcast called Man vs. Art. I met him back at Intervention Con uh, here in Maryland a couple weeks ago, and that dude is amazing. I like you. I use that word a lot. I'm going to have to find it. He's just pretty hardcore. He's kind of funny, and I, we had the best chit-chat there, and I thought, well, I, you guys should meet him. We should bring him over for dinner sometime at the diner. Awesome. Oh, awesome. And in TV news... Uh, we have a trivia. We're well, announcing we, a winner. We were announcing a winner for a trivia. That's yes. Right. Winner! Woo! Finally, Samantha Carter gets owned. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how to. I don't have a good comeback for that. Yeah, one, they, but, they don't. Just keep going. Yeah. In, in TV news, uh, no surprise here. Walking Dead uh, wakes up uh, huge ratings. Uh, Marvel uh, Agents of Shield gets a full season. Uh, Arrow teases a screenshot of Black Canary with Arrow, and um, we have uh, Breaking Bad's uh, biggest fan. That's right. Mm-hmm. And in movie news, we have uh, some possible Ant Man movie news, and we talked to the lovely Chase Masterson a few months back about. Um, 
her new project RUR. We'll have some more RUR news uh, tonight. And in this week's twist, we have who said what. So some things that we think that are attributed to Star Trek, but probably over time got a little embellished. And uh, we have an unconfirmed rumor about uh, Robert Orsi talking to CBS about a possible Trek TV show. And dun, dun, dun. We can only hope. And in, in this week's Sci-Fi 5 at 5, Em will give us uh, her, her top five moments from uh, New York Comic Con. Awesome. Awesome. I'm looking forward to hearing those, Em. Yay. Yeah. I'm writing them down right now. Right, right. There we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> because there's so many. <laughs> so. I'm telling you, dude, there, I, I, I wish there was a flash drive plug in the back of my skull so I could just download everything. It was massive, massive. See, then you could say, I know Kung Fu. <laughs> I do know Kung Fu. There, there, there we go. So, you call yourself a geek and a nerd? Prove it. Prove your geek cred by answering challenging trivia and entering for a chance to win some awesome prizes. Uh, well, let's move into our trivia tonight. We have a uh, trivia winner, is my understanding. But let's before we do that, let's give them the question again, the code word they had to include, and the answer, and then we'll tell who won. Okay, we asked last time, who said this and what movie? You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering you is the truth, nothing more. Right, and the answer for that one was? Uh, Morpheus in the movie The Matrix. Still has to be one of my favorite movies of all time. So it, awesome. it, it, it still holds up. Yeah. Code word was quantum torpedo. And some of you submitted entries and uh, did not include the code word. And um, so uh, that disqualified you. So if you're really into the running, make sure you include that when we uh, have that in the podcast. This is just to ensure that you're actually listening to the podcast. Indeed. There are spammers out there. We do get a lot of spammers on that. But uh, we do have a winner, and our winner is? Our winner is uh, Colin. Colin Taylor. So thumbs up, Colin. We will email you and uh, figure out where to send this lovely Samantha Carter. Yay! There's probably some DNA left on there. You could probably clone right, your own. Right, right. Clone your own <laughs> mini. Yeah. yeah, right, right. We'll have oh, a yeah. new sci-fi uh, trivia question for you in two weeks when we come back. But uh, thank you again, everyone that played for that and, um, and, uh, and wrote in and emailed in. Well, let's move into our first promo tonight, and I thought we'd give uh, Jim Arrowwood a little bit of love tonight for our first promo. He, he runs a blog called Jim Sci-Fi Blog, and he has this little promo here, and he's reviewing everything. I mean, it's it's everything sci-fi. I think he mm-hmm. just got done watching, what was the movie? I'd slip in my, um, not After Earth, there was another one. There was I, I don't know. You have to go to his blog to figure out what he was watching. Right. But he, he keeps up with a lot of the current movies that are coming out on DVD. DVDs, he's in theaters, he's doing reading, so it's an all-around sci-fi blog, and how he manages to do this in the middle of marching band season, the guy's a music teacher, and there's marching band, I don't know how he does it, but somehow he ekes every single hour out of life and uh, makes this happen, and so if you want some good reviews and some honest reviews from his perspective, go to Jim's Sci-Fi blog, and you'll hear the promo right here. When you don't read Jim's Sci-Fi blog, you are uninformed of the science fiction world. When you are uninformed about the science fiction world, you go to the cantina. When you go to the cantina, you meet attractive Cylon women who want to take you to outer space. Wondered when you'd get here. When Cylon women take you to outer space, you have to run for your life. When you run for your life, you trip on a tribble and sprain your wrist. 
when you sprain your wrist, you get medical attention from a doctor named Walter Bishop. I had a fruit cocktail once. Don't seek medical attention from a doctor named Walter Bishop. Assimilate jimsscifiblog.com. Resistance is futile. For your first course, the latest in the universe of science fiction multimedia. All right, we are back with a ton of news this week. And uh, why don't we just roll right into it? Who's taking the Walking Dead news? That was you, that Miles. Yep. Go ahead, Miles. Okay, so Walking Dead kicked off its fourth season on, on Sunday night, continuing the AMC series record-setting trend with more highs and blowing all non-sports competition out of the water. Average of 16.1 million viewers during its inaugural yeah. 9 p.m. I know. Broadcast, the series was up more than 5 million from October's 10.9 million opener. Among adults, 18 to 49, The Walking Dead averaged 10.4 million viewers. That's an 8.3 rating in the key demo, being bigger than any broadcast series this fall, and even stronger than last night's uh, competing form, competing from uh, Sunday Night Football with adults 25 to 54. The Walking Dead saw another high with 8.8 million viewers. Compared to previous records set by the season three finale, The Walking Dead was up 3.7 million viewers and 2.3 million adults, 18 to 49. Um, so Walking Dead is not hurting at it all. It is. It is knocking it out of the park. You know, I knew this was. I, I of course, am not watching it. You watched the first episode, right? Yes, from the season. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, I knew it was big. My students are now. I'm a teacher. You know, by my day job, and my students were talking about having Walking Dead parties. Interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so they a bunch of people come over for the Walking Dead premiere and just hanging out to watch Walking Dead, you know, Sunday night. Uh, was it Sunday night? It, Sunday night, yeah. yeah so mm-hmm. it's just awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but wow, that is great news for uh, Walking Dead. As long as you're getting numbers like this, um, they this is season four, so that, that, that I would think they, they're, they're a dead ringer for getting season five. Getting a fifth season. What's up with AMC? I mean, they are just knocking. They have two solid shows that are just not that were just knocking people out of the park. They've just um, they've just managed to capture lightning lightning a bottle twice. Yeah. Um, Wow. Their panel, if I could, their panel on uh, I guess it was Saturday was impossible to get into. There were people who queued. And got into panels hours and hours before. I just learned about this whole phenomenon. There were people who queued up for the 9 o'clock panel just to get a seat and stay there all day just for the Walking Dead panel. Wow. Andrew Lincoln was there. Um, uh, Danai Gira, Lauren Cohen, Melissa McBride, Norman Reedus, Steve Ewan, all of those guys were there, along with the creators of the comic books. They had their 10th anniversary panel there, too. And that was also incredibly impossible to get to. People were cray-cray. They had this huge, dilapidated building in the middle of the floor that was the coolest thing ever. And they were doing monster make- They were doing zombie makeup on the floor. Cool. That is amazing. I should say that Melissa McBride, uh, she'll be uh, at... Uh Farpoint uh, next year in February. That's Woo-hoo! right. That's right. Yeah. So we'll get to see her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's move on into uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We get a full season. Em, tell us a little bit about this. Oh, my gosh. What's, Agent Coulson lives on is what I'm feeling. Uh, it was super exciting. And you could, their panel, I couldn't even get into, not even with my press pass. It was packed. Everyone was super excited. They showed some amazing, neat stuff. And it's because... 
Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. got, not only because of the popularity, because we knew it would be, that NBC gave them a full season. And now Tuesday Night Heroes are sticking around. And we're super excited. I mean, arguably, it's the most anticipated uh, show for the fall. And it opened as the highest rating, new, highest rated new drama in four years, even though having like an eight o'clock time slot. But it was unbelievable, unbelievable. They hit like almost eight million viewers, and they, it was. Um, I'm, 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 I'm like in stuck because I was so excited to hear about it. Joss Whedon is going crazy. His brother and his sister-in-law all work on it too. It's just, I think this is a great big win for the Whedons because it's it's it shows their genius and it's the perfect perfect blend and it's the next it's along with sleepy hollow and i think it's the blacklist they're shows that have just really wowed people mm-hmm. so it's i'm i'm excited and i think they've stayed really true to the comic books and they've stayed true to the movie and i think they are the perfect setup like in volleyball someone's got to set up the ball to spike it over the net. So this is the, a nice 22-episode setup for a slam dunk of Avengers 2. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really, uh, I've really been enjoying it. I'm caught up. Obviously, it's airing tonight as we uh, talk, so not watching it live, but um, really been enjoying it. I know that people were a little bit wonky on the third episode. We'll probably talk about this more when we get the listener feedback show, but I just have been enjoying this series Thank as you. a whole, and uh, I'm really glad to see that you know, we don't, we have a Whedon show that's not being canceled halfway through. That's making it at least a full <laughs> season. Seriously, um, and I hope the writing and the advertisers and the people can continue to get behind this show because it's pretty amazing. I hope they can <laughs> stay with what's got what they got going. I'm glad Joss Whedon and his brother are getting their due here. They deserve it. Um, my wife and I are enjoying the show, but she's also enjoying the uh, Thor trailers. Yeah, <laughs> um, obviously, she has a thing for Thor. And I, I think, I think the Whedons have definitely earned their earned their keep. Right. They have worked incredibly hard. They have worked with. They have brought together a team that is definitely working working beautifully together. And I think it's the level of executives, or maybe a changeover of executives, that have made them realize, you know what, this guy knows what he's doing. We should just shut up and let him do what he can do. And it's it's already it's already proving true. They right. found out what we've known for a long time that Whedon's a genius. I know, stupid executives. <laughs> I mean, right, right, right. We would love to have you on the show, executives. Yes, yeah, that- thank you for uh, <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. We appreciate it. Yeah. Um, do we know how many episodes that season is? When they say full season, are they talking about a 13-episode full season or a 22-episode full season? It doesn't say 22. in the article we have. 22. This is 22? Okay. They're getting 22? Nice. <laughs> nice. I'm not excited or anything. Yep. We should show a little more enthusiasm, man. Yeah, just just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to some okay. Arrow because Arrow returned, and it was awesome this past week. We'll talk more about that again in listener show, but we got some news. And if you do not want spoilers and you think this might be a spoiler, we're going to reveal something that was revealed, I believe, at New York Comic Con that came out. Uh-huh. So it is news. It's not like we're trying to hide it, but we are warning that if you want to remain spoiler-free, you may want to jump ahead about 10 minutes into the podcast here. But Arrow producer teases that there is another shocking death, but Barrowman's not dead. So that's been probably the biggest reveal because it ended. We read a cliffhanger. Not really a cliffhanger, but at the end of season one, Barrowman 
gets knocked off he, for all intents and purposes. He got stabbed with an arrow. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, and, and, and he was lying there. He looked, he looked pretty dead. Didn't he look dead to you, Miles? He looked dead to me. But you know what? In, in our sci-fi genre shows, dead doesn't mean permanently dead. Right, right. <laughs> um, that's the way it is. I remember, like X Files, is like when they would kill someone off, they're not really killed off. They would always bring them back. Mm-hmm. And um, two words, people: Agent Coulson. <laughs> I know, ex- exactly. Different show, but same premise here. Here's what came out of Comic Con that uh, the quote that came out. I'm just going to read that from it. Um, We said at Comic-Con that John was coming back, but we didn't say when and we didn't say how. So now I'm going to continue not to spoil that. But I will remind everybody that you know we tell stories in two different time periods. Mm. Mm -hmm. So he could be back on the island, right? Or maybe flashback back. Um, We're actually doing the episode where Oliver got sort of has hallucinations. We're doing flashbacks from different people's perspectives. Okay, I make a joke. We got a lot of different arrows in our quiver. So just because you think you may know something doesn't mean that you know how it's going to happen. So, uh, Barrowman, huh? I I I like his panel. Were you able to sit in on his panel? Oh, yes. (laughs) It was divine. I have audio from it. I have to clean it through. He was amazing. And funny enough, nobody asked him in the panel (laughs) about um, Arrow because it was a bunch of, like, 40, 50, 60 year old ladies who were there, who were there, like all about everybody was there about Captain Jack. <laughs> everybody was there about Captain Jack. And he delivered like dominoes. I, I, I was giddy after that. I heard he's an excellent person to see at a con. He's wonderful. Like the way that they had the day set up is they had the tables right at the edge of the stage. And it's funny because the ladies behind me pulled the security guards over and said, now look. That's not how he likes it. You're going to have to move all of that. And you you have to make sure that all those seats in the front are filled because he doesn't like empty seats. I don't <laughs> care if they're reserved. I don't care. Like they were, and it was true. He didn't like that the seats were empty. And apparently they let people up front. And then what he did was he basically said, you know what? I can't really do my shtick here with this table. So I'm just going to move the effing table. And he starts to pull the table with three incredibly expensive microphones on it. And he just yanks it back. And then all of a sudden crew comes running. (laughs) We'll get the mics. We'll get that for you, John. And then clear the stage so he could run around and do his antics. And he was, he is worth the wait. If you're going to queue up to see anybody. He's worth the wait. He's just a dream with his fans, and he told a lot of really funny stories. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry. I can imagine. I'm just going to fill in, like, NYCC um, recaps in well, between. Absolutely. Well, you should. Come on. You're coming off that, and it's relevant to what we're talking about And here. you may have some insight offer. a little bit Comic-Con drunk. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, and why don't you run in and tell us a little bit about this whole uh, Brian Cranston fanboy thing? Could you, I mean, I can't imagine having, getting a more amazing fan letter. So apparently, uh, Brian Cranston, who is an amazing actor, um, received an email on Sunday night from Anthony friggin' Hopkins. Sir Anthony friggin' Hopkins. (laughs) Sir Anthony friggin' Hopkins, the most amazing actor, the most respected actor on the planet. And he wrote a fan letter to Cranston. It was 
unbelievable. It's it's just super sweet. He apparently watched, he marathon watched over the last two weeks Breaking Bad from episode one all the way through this last season. And he said, I have never watched anything like it. Brilliant. Your performance as Walter White was the best acting I have seen <sighs> ever. Can you imagine being I know, him, hearing that go and, from Anthony Hawkins? Go ahead. I know there is much smoke blowing and sickening bull poop in the business, <laughs> and I've sort of lost belief in anything really, but this work of yours is spectacular, absolutely stunning. Oh my God. And then he goes on to like list the cast and the team and that just the passion and the discipline and the just the this consistency of amazing that was delivered was was just I read this and I got chills for him. Oh, I can't I even imagine what it was like for someone to hand him, Oh look, Anthony Hopkins wrote you an email. I'm sure he went, you know, oh, that's crap. No, no, Anthony Hopkins wrote you an email. That's a load of crap. Yeah. I'm I'm curious. I'm hoping that somebody somewhere got his reaction because I'm sure it's priceless. Oh I know. And it's it's very I I, I the show creeps me out, but Tony Hopkins, you know, Tony, because we're on a first name basis. That's how he signed the email. If Sir Anthony Hopkins can get, you know, I'm willing to give it another try and not be as creeped out by it. Yeah. I'm being judgy, but I don't care. My wife loves the show and I just haven't made it past episode one, but, but, you know, (laughs) hey, if Anthony Hopkins, I mean, this is, this is a guy that played, you know, Silence of the Lambs, you know, creepy. Yes, please. Yeah, I know. It's so I, I think it's awesome that they got that and it'd be the guy that's like someone calling in the phone and saying, Yeah, yeah, that's really that person. And you hear those stories. But I can imagine Brian Cranston probably crying after reading that email. I mean what <laughs> what a pat on the back. Oh, it, it, it's one of the greatest is. actors in the whole world. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's move on into some movie news and we got some Ant Man news. Now, I gotta tell you a story about Ant Man. I I did not know – a year ago, I didn't know Ant-Man existed, right? Because I did not grow up in comics. I didn't grow up watching a lot of the animated comics. But we went to this comic book store, and my son picked up an Ant-Man comic, and he wanted to read it. He wanted, So I bought it for him, and we brought it home, and he got me into Ant-Man, right? Mm-hmm. Ant-Man is – you know, Ant-Man and Pixie, right? Um, you know, the uh, little Bumblebee character, and, you know um, – so – we got into this, and uh, here's the story on it. And we apparently have a movie in the works, right? And uh, the story is just that they have found maybe a man to play Ant-Man, or they're narrowing down the uh, people to maybe play Ant-Man. And one is jo- uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and the other one is Paul Rudd, who I don't not from, I'm, I'm familiar with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but Paul Rudd I haven't seen in a lot. Do you know? Have, uh, you, have you seen Paul Rudd before? <sighs> Oh, yeah. Um, he was in... Oh, God, I'm forgetting everything. Uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He was in um, that Alicia Silverstone movie where she played a ditz in Beverly Hills. He was That was, like, one of the first times. But he's been in a lot of stuff with um, Seth... Uh, oh, God, why can't I think of his name? Um, Paul Rudd's been in 40-Year-Old Virgin. He was in that movie about... The pregnant lady. Oh my God! Why can't I? I've seen him in so many things, and he's really a great actor. Um, he's nice to look at too. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm pulling up his IMDb because I feel a little bad that I don't know this. Hold yeah. on. 
I'm sure I'm sure everybody here knows Paul Rudd. Well, here's the thing, you know, which oh, um, role models. That's right. Okay. He was in that. It was that was bad. Um, <laughs> he was in Knocked Up. I love you, man. Forty year old virgin. Um, this is forty, which is the follow up to. Um, Knocked up. He's been. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff with Jason Siegel. Um, just he's all over the place. All over the place. Hmm. Well, you know, I guess the question is, do we really care who's playing Ant Man at this point? I mean, Ant Man is not one of the major Marvel Avenger heroes. He is in there, but he's not like one of the mainstays. No, it's definitely more of a supporting character. But I would rather it not be. Uh, Joseph Gordon because I want him for um, he needs to be Nightwing. Yeah, he does. I agree. I agree. He needs to be Nightwing. So we need so, so, so Paul Rudd's our uh, pick, right? So. I'd be okay with Paul Rudd, but Paul Rudd's a little older. Yeah. You know, Paul Rudd's like he's. I'm, I'm dating myself here. Paul Rudd's my age, maybe a little bit older, and you really have to be careful about creating a lo- longevity in a character who is. Who is already, you know, the origin story can't be. I don't. Oh, now I'm being really judgy. <laughs> I don't see him. I don't see him as a superhero type. Yeah. Um. I I I like. It's like what they did with the Green Hornet. It wasn't. Seth was not the good choice for the Green Hornet because he just wasn't. It was poorly written. It was poorly directed. But the filming was good. Uh, <laughs> it had a lot of bad things going for it. Right. Rudd would be good, but Rudd's a little older to play, uh, I think, Ant-Man. Yeah. Yeah, well, we do have a release date for that July 31st, 2015. So we have two years, a little bit uh, less than two years till that. It's supposed to come out, so we have time. So, Yay. But you can let us know which one would you rather have, Rudd or Gordon-Levitt. And you can let us know or if you can think of another one. Yeah, maybe you can think of a better one. Ben Affleck. Yeah. Ben Affleck. <laughs> yes. Yes. Ben yes. Affleck can play Ant-Man. That's right, but not Batman. Um, go, go ahead, uh, Miles. Why don't you talk just real briefly about RUR Genesis. We'll do this, and then we're going to bring in our guest. So um, we have some uh, RUR news. Uh, Genesis released retro sci-fi short f- film available online. Um, indie production houses uh, Halcyon Arts Cooperative has announced that the writer-director James Kerwin, who we, we talked to on the podcast uh, a few months back, uh, R.E.R. Genesis Sexy Retro Futuristic Scientific Science Fiction Thriller has been released online, um, starring Chase Masterson, uh, Kipley Brown from Yesterday Was a Lie, and, and Vic Minana, who we just uh, yeah we uh, just talked to him just didn't talked we? to him yeah for, from um, uh, Star Trek Continues and, and Full Metal uh, Alchemist. Uh, uh, RUR Genesis serves as both a standalone short film venture and a teaser for the uh, full-length uh, feature currently in development. I think we'll embed it. We'll try to embed it onto our site. But uh, we saw the teaser for this a long time ago. And if you can go back to that Chase Masterson interview we did with James Kerwin and her, mm-hmm. um, that's that's more like a year and a half ago we did that. Okay. So it's, so it's, it's been it's, a long time. But, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm excited to see this coming out. And what a powerful story. And, and the teaser is very impressive. So I'm, I haven't seen the short yet, but I do mm-hmm. want to check. Ma'am, did you see the short for this yet? I have not. Yeah, so make sure you're checking it out. But I did want to plug that in and just uh, let people know that that is out there for those of you that have been listening for a while. So in watching the teaser, there's uh, some friends of ours that that, that are uh, Vicks there. Um, Mary the Televixen is in, that, is in there. That's right. Uh, John Champion from... Um, 
uh, DVD Geeks. DVD Geeks and Mission Lockies in there too. So yeah. some, some familiar faces that we know yeah, there. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's move on into our twist. Miles, take it away. So we got two items to talk about tonight. Now, um, this first one, I didn't know. Yeah, there's some things that sort of become, I don't know, tradition that you think this is a, this came from Star Trek and over time something said got got to be understood as something else. But so little known sci-fi fact that Kirk never said famous Star Trek quote you think he did. Um, when, when Star Trek fans muster up their best dramatic pause, they often speak a line of dialogue that was never uttered on the show or in any of the movies. William Shatner's acting style is very, let's call it distinct. In fact, it's it's so immediately recognizable that every geek from the 60s on through to the present has their own Captain Kirk impression. And when people choose exactly where they want to say while doing their best Shatner, they often repeat the following, Beam me up, Scotty. You can find this quote plastered across all kinds of merchandise, T-shirts, buttons, magnets, and on the... Uh, and so on. Except Kirk never said, beam me up, Scotty. Here are a few variations of what he did say. Scotty, beam me up. Um, or just, beam me up. Beam us up, Scotty. Shatner absolutely did, did recite all those lines, but beam me up, Scotty, not once, if you're going by the formal continuity that it, that is. The only time Shatner did say that particular line was in a Star Trek audiobook, The Ashes of Eden, which was actually written by Shatner himself. Now, you know the truth. So next time you, your buddy misquotes uh, Captain Kirk, you can push your gla- glasses up, waggle your finger, and correct them. Again, all if you're going to quote the captain of the Enterprise, you better get it right. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I would have said, yeah, sure, that was a Kirk quote. Did so you know that? I... You know, I, I I probably didn't know that either. I mean, but those variations got just... Uh, he did say a variation of that line, and so over time it just got construed. Right. Beam up, Scotty. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Ab? Did you know that? I I seem to recall being... <laughs> being in a conversation a while ago with some folks and was told adamantly that it was wrong, and it was someone who... Yeah, I don't want to be judgy, but yikes, they need to get outside more. They knew exactly which episodes and which time period. Like, they described the scenes and everything. And, you know, I, de- I get that people dig that stuff, but I may have heard it in the past. I, I It's not a new information, but I just don't remember when or where I heard it. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff like that. Oh, I'm which sure. Which is kind of fun. I'm sure. <laughs> Well, this is a this is a story we kind of talked about to think on some of the last show that Brian Fuller came out with a story. Oh, we got to bring track back to the small screen, and now we have Orsi kind of doing the same thing. You want to talk a little bit about it? So, just yeah. in general, you don't have to go through the story. But so th- this is just an unconfirmed rumor. But putting Star Trek back on TV has been increasingly talked about as of late. Out of nowhere, a tweet that from a reporter uh, Joe uh, Machalzik was was covering the, the the Ender's Game press junket for the UK Sci-Fi News claims Orsi told me he had a meeting with CBS. This is to be considered a totally unconfirmed rumor and should be taken with a large grain of salt. We also do not know who else aside from Bob that refers to this tweet. So it's it's, it's always up. a large it's always a large grain of salt when you're talking about Trek back to the TV. But I hope it's true. <laughs> well, we always do, but mm-hmm. it's kind of one of those things where like, oh well, how many times have we shared a story on the Sabbath Diner? Let's bring Trek back to the small screen, and mm-hmm. uh, it continues to be a rumor. Probably right. until the third movie is done and they've wrapped that up, it'll be a rumor. Probably going close to the 50-year um, anniversary celebration sort yeah. of thing. I, I, I would like—I mean, I would—I I would like to see a Star Trek show based on the JJ verse. Uh, I think there's 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 room to tell some good stories there. 
Um, and so I, 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 if Orsi did talk to CBS, I'd be curious if this is something he pitched or not. I think you should tell it from the point of view of V'ger. Well, I would even go back. Just kidding. I think there's I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We get hate mail for that. No. Um, a- after the Kelvin ran into the Narada, and I-, I think that time period between that and uh, the 09 movie, I think there's a lot of time. There's a lot. There, there can be a lot of good storytelling going on there. You know what would happen to Starfleet, Starfleet and Federation after the Kelvin got destroyed, and what what made the universe change you know from there so i got it they need to do like a starfleet headquarters show where they like run it like west wing <laughs> you know but oh politics God, yes. of starfleet <gasps> wouldn't that work come on i'm pitching the idea to cbs let's go Oh well. my god, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, it'd be like House of Cards mixed with West Wing mixed with, you know. There, there has to be in space, though. That's the only thing. Well, I don't care. They can do it on, like, the space station. I don't care. Just, uh, mm-hmm. I don't care where they put it. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> actually, you know, the more I think about it, I, I would be okay with that if, if it would be, like, told from Starfleet headquarters point of view of, okay, uh, we had this big Romulan ship. Come in. Um, what do we do now? And so, just to see how the world changed, what, why, why, why things are different yeah. now than they were in the prime universe. You, you can, you can tell some stories uh, there. So that, that just, that my, just my thoughts. Yeah. I would like a non-human captain. Ooh, that would be good. That'd be. I good. would like a non-human captain. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be fine with that. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Like a crystalline creature in next generation. Just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> Very big shiny ship. Big, yeah, 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 I was just say big uniform, but then you said big ship. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, move into our last promo tonight, Miles. Thanks for sharing those news items. This next uh, promo is for a show, uh, another show that I am doing called the Dune Saga Podcast. Em, I know you heard rumors about this, but I have. You have, huh? So we're the. the, the I've been going through the Dune series of books, and that is all of David Moulton's fault from the Landcast. And um, and he kind of said, hey, do you want to do a podcast where we like go through a book a month on the series Dune, doing it chronologically? And he wrote Jim Arrowwood into it. So like the three of us are taking a chronological look, starting at the Butler and Jihad, and working our three through all 18 books, I think, currently. Holy um, cow. Uh, of it. So we're looking at like one, a monthly podcast of doing this. Okay. <laughs> uh, so quite an endeavor. These aren't short books. These books are like, what, 30, 35 hours of listening. I listen to most of my books these days, um, you know, which are, you know, when I'm running my marathons and stuff like that, which, by the way, um, did you see the news come out? They're talking about canceling the dang thing. I know. It's really disappointing. I mean, let's not get started talking about um, how the government sucks cojones at the moment. But (laughs) the Marine Corps Marathon has been a staple in the Washington, D.C. for a very, very long time. And the military and private funding puts it on. And it is an amazing vehicle for, for charities. To raise money, it's an, it's a cornerstone of of Washington. It kind of is the last big event that you really do outside, except for the lighting of the Christmas tree, and then we kind of shut down for the winter. and And it's 
I'm not, I'm really not pleased. A lot of our, a lot of my good friends aren't working right now. And yeah, it's a pretty tough situation. But anyways, all that to say is I've been listening to Dune while I've been, you know, kind of rehearsing and training for this marathon that may or may not happen. Um, But so uh, Butler and Jihad, and, and our goal is to kind of take this from step one, you know, from the first book chronologically, not the first Dune book ever written, but taking it chronologically in sequence and kind of working a three through it. And if you've never read the Dune novels, it's a perfect time to kind of get on board. We just we just put out our introduction episode. Um, our first episode off the first book is in the middle of November, and it gives you a chance to just kind of get on board and read these novels kind of along with us and share your thoughts. And very sociopolitical. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as the contents of these books, as Frank Herbert was back in the day, hmm. um, very ecological, very you know, valuing human life and what this means. Where does technology? How far do we go with technology? Exploring some really deep themes. So, if you get a chance, check it out. The Dune Saga podcast. Awesome. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Experience Dune like never before. The Dune Saga Podcast with David Scott and Jim lead you chronologically through the novels of Frank Herbert, Brian Herbert, and Kevin J. Anderson. Relive your favorite moments, join in the conversations, and let the spice expand your universe. The Dune Saga Podcast. Ride the sandworm to dunesagapodcast.com or to iTunes for more information. something called intervention is what it's called? yes intervention intervention con it's basically a con about all things internet and stuff on the internet it's a it's a i think this is the third year that it's going on and it's really cool there was a lot of opportunities to talk to people who make stuff on the internet kind of like us and um uh, I met this guy on a panel. His name is Raul Aguirre, and he is out of Los Angeles, and he uh, is an animator and an artist, and he worked for years and years and years and years for Disney on a lot of the old hand-drawn stuff, so Pocahontas, Tarzan, all of that, and amazing, amazing stuff, and just a cool dude who likes to talk about art and likes to talk about everything. Yeah. So I'm really excited that you guys are up for having a chat with him. 
I think that's awesome. Disney animator. He's also animated. What's that children's series he's animating for now? And Nick Jr. Lollapalooza. Lollapal- oh shoot! Yeah, I, can't I can't pronounce. Say it. that five times real fast. I dare you, M. I can't pronounce it. I can't pronounce it. Me neither. But it's um, this kid La-la-loopsie. show. Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza. Mm-hmm. Miles knows it because he watches it regularly. Of course. Oh. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> so the guy's done a ton of great stuff, and what a honor to kind of meet him and just hang out with him, M. I bet. And if you're an aspired <laughs> animator, he's got a lot. I mean. Yeah, Man vs. Art is his podcast. You can, can hear about that. So he, he likes to, yep. uh, I'm sure he'd like to help you out if uh, you need some um, yeah, tips. You know, tips. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's move into our interview with Raul. chit chat and tell us a little bit more about you and and all sorts of stuff but um uh so this is scott and then there's miles on the call as well say hi miles hi roll nice to meet you hey miles so these are the dudes who started the show and then they needed a little fun so they brought me in exactly exactly a little cuckoo now um but i was telling them how we met at uh intervention and yeah. I just thought it would be awesome if we could get you, you know, kind of, I just wanted to chit-chat with you and talk to the dudes. Oh, right on, right on, cool. Whatever you guys want to ask, feel free. <laughs> so uh, initially when I'm told, I, I, I guess didn't really introduce you, but just said, hey, I met this guy, and we began to chat a little bit. She said that, you know, that you've been, uh, one of the reasons you were intervention is because of your work, I guess, as an animator. Is that right? Yep. Do you want to yes, tell sir. us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, gosh, next year it'll be 20 years that I've been working in the animation business as That's an awesome. animator, storyboard artist. You know, uh, I've done illustration. I'm actually, in 1994, I got pulled out of art school early because I got the opportunity to go work, uh, to go do an internship at Walt Disney Feature Animation. And there I stayed for like the next eight or nine years. Um, I got to work on all the features from like from Pocahontas all the way to Home on the Range, all the 2D hand-drawn ones. And then when they switched to digital, um, I kind of wanted to keep drawing, so that's when I switched to storyboarding, and that's what I've been doing ever since. And um, they, uh, but I still do the, the 2D hand-drawn animation on my own stuff, on my own personal projects. I teach it at the Noman School of Visual Effects, believe it or not, which is like a totally digital school. <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah, I, I have the kids like throw away their, their laptops and come in and just draw with a pencil, and most of them are like, "What?" That's they so old school. That. <laughs> you might as well ask me to play with a slide rule. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I show them a rotary telephone and an LP, and they they just scratch their heads, man. Dude, is that like a big DVD? <laughs> totally, man. How many gigabytes does it hold, man? Yeah. Oh man, that is. You want to check the. You want to check their email on a rotary phone. It's like, you can't do that, dude. <laughs> yeah. But it's a trip. It's a total trip. But it's just, you know, it's been a very career. I mean, I worked, I worked at Disney, like I told you. I did a seasonal storyboard on Family Guy. Um, I did uh, my own animated short at, at Nickelodeon. I sold it and pitched it to them. I directed, produced, and wrote it. And I was uh, in contention for a series, but at the last minute, things just kind of went south. Um a long, terrible story, but you know, maybe someday I'll tell you guys. <laughs> but, uh, Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon, uh, 
you know, right now I'm working at the uh, uh, Moonscoop Studios on this thing called La La Lucy, which is a little girl's television show on Nick Jr., which mm-hmm. is doing pretty well in the ratings. Uh, it's really cute. So, you know, I'm like this six foot five, you know, 250-pound Mexican dude, and I'm working on <laughs> confetti, lace, hand-holding, cupcake-eating, unicorn rainbow stuff, you know? Uh, it's horrible. It's, like, it's the cutest yeah. show ever. <laughs> Thank you. And, and I'm like the number two artist on production. And and I actually, uh, uh, the challenge of doing this has really been cool. It's made the job really exciting because I've never done anything cutesy like this. And believe it or not, I'm actually pretty good at that too. <laughs> awesome. But it's a good show. It's a good show. So I've been in this business for a long time, man. Right. About four years ago, I go, man, I really like... Uh, helping people out and giving advice. People are always asking me for advice because I'm really good at giving it. And I guess I have the patience to listen to people's stuff and, and formulate, you know, I don't know, solutions. I'm a problem solver. So I started the Man vs. Art podcast uh, on my own, not knowing what the hell I was doing. <laughs> yeah, I just built it myself. Uh, and it's doing all right, you know. I, it's pretty good. I'm on my 85th show now. Awesome. Um, yeah, I, I, I wish I could post more often, but it's a little slow right now. But it's just, it's a place, you know, for art, animation, comics, shenanigans, I bring in professional friends of mine or other people like like old pros. I've had Ralph Bakshi, I've had Don Bluth, uh, Bill Plimpton. I've had them on, you know, rock stars. Um, and, or sometimes I just do shows by myself. Where I just sit there and do voices and just make fun, you know, whatever I want to talk about. And it's basically designed for cartoonists or artists or animators to listen to while they're working in their studio, you know? Mm, uh, very cool. Yeah. So, so how, how do you balance? I mean, you're animating for this TV show and you're teaching. How do you balance? Yeah. That? It's it's tough, man. I'm working full time in house at this uh, studio, Moonscoop, which is really cool. I mean, it, it's it's fun and people are really nice here, but just it's a lot of work. Um, and on Saturdays, uh, you know, I have two classes, so it's another it's another eight nine hour day. So I'm working <laughs> six days a week. I've been doing it for like two years now. Wow. Sundays are very, very, very cherished to me. My Sundays are very cherished. How bad? <laughs> yeah. So uh, tell me, how did you and M? Uh, how did how did you and M meet? Well, I was I was uh, up on uh, a panel over at the Intervention uh, Con, which was an awesome event this summer. You guys should check it out. <laughs> InterventionCon.com. Yeah. Um, and and Har- uh, um, and her Harknell, her husband. They invited me up there to go speak and share just because I like to talk. I mean, I guess uh, sometimes I guess I have a funny way of putting stuff. And um, They had me do a couple of panels, and I guess I did one where uh, Emma was sitting in the audience, and I, I noticed when I was up there talking, like, she would light up every time I said something she liked or whatever. I'm like, wow, she's pretty animated. That's cool. And uh, at the end of it, <laughs> I, I, I spotted you right away. And then at the end of it, um, came up to me, introduced herself, and just started like just talking about her show and what you guys do, and that it would be so awesome if I if could come on sometimes. She really likes what I do, and that's how we met, man. She's just, just like listening to me talk about myself. It was a really neat thing about podcasting, and there yeah. were two other dudes sitting next to him, and they were very much, well... <laughs> We use the P47 um, processing system, and then I use the aggregator of, oh, yes, I use the aggregator as well. And then oh. Roll would be like, dude, this is what I talk about, this is what we do, and this is how you get into it. It was very natural and very approachable and very accessible. And I was like, that is the dude I want to talk to. 
I tripped out on those two guys. Now, I'm not going to disparage or knock them or whatever, but they I just... Sweet. They were sweet as hell, and they knew their stuff when it comes to the technical part of it. But I tried to imagine them hosting something. I'm like, I, I don't think I can listen to these guys, man. <laughs> um, I really could. That, uh, that, uh, you know, from my mom's basement, I, I transmit uh, 80 billion gigawatts of, through my flux capacitor's mainframe. And uh, I'm just like, <laughs> what is this? Well, are you using the 2.5 version of the flux capacitor, or have you upgraded to the 7.2? Because well, I find that the brainwaves are classified in a much more different <laughs> packet across the system. Yeah, it's easier to hack if you just get the old system. My cousin can get you in there. Um, now, what I like to do in my podcast is I, I have this thing that automatically just plays music. It plays the song, so it's like I don't even have to go on there. It's just, it's just a recording. Like, yeah. Whatever, dude. It, it, was, yeah. <laughs> it was, from a technical point of view, it was kind of interesting. But I think a lot of the people who were there were looking for the impetus, the beginning just the kind of, and it wasn't just me who lit up every time you were talking about something. Everybody yeah, yeah. kind of set up a little bit more because you were able to talk, and that's probably why you're a really good teacher. It's, it was, you were able to tell us and convey the information in an accessible way, and I dug that. Thanks. That's, that's part of my job as an as a animator and storyboard artist, especially in this production. I'm the storyboard supervisor, which means I've got a crew of like 10, 12 storyboard artists all over the world working freelance, but i got to wrangle all their work together. And when it comes out to handing out a script, like this Thursday i got to hand out a script to two artists. One of them is coming in. She's, she's from local from the area. The other one, I've got to do it over Skype. Um, and she's like in North Dakota or something. I mean, so i I, I got to explain take the script and go through it and explain it what I want because it, just what's on the script isn't good enough for a storyboard. You have to get some input as to well, what kind of angles are we talking about? What kind of mood? What kind of, you know, what kind of story point? I need to be able to crystallize it all in just a few words. And I spend like an hour. I, I, I'm really good at explaining to people what it is that would do or what they have to do, you know? And, and I guess I have the patience for it and I keep them interested because of just, the, I guess my, the way I talk to people, I try to be real, I, well, I don't try. I mean, I just, I, I guess I, I come off as personable, you'd say, or friendly. I, I don't freak people out. Or I don't weird people out. Um, and it's just a matter of being comfortable with yourself and being confident in what you're saying. Um, nothing can stop you, man. But, you know, um, it, it's all about how you convey the information effectively and clearly to get the idea across. Yeah, like that's so true in like everything and everything. Yeah, so it's when you're teaching too, thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Scott's a teacher today. as well. Especially yeah. today, man, these kids are sitting there with their iPhones and their you know whatever's, and they're thinking about the Grand Theft Auto 24 release or whatever. And I'm up there trying to talk to them about something important, you know. Popeye and Bluto, when they would fight, you know, and I would talk about the spinach and the, the, the symbolism behind it or something, and it's important, you know. Right. Right. <laughs> You know, so when but, you're when you're not yeah, doing, God, yeah, right. <laughs> when you're not doing man versus art and you're not teaching, what are you reading? What are you watching? Uh, I'm watching Breaking Bad, man, and that was awesome. I just I like good talk writing like that, just over the top. And Brian Cranston, I've loved him since freaking Malcolm in the Middle. He was the only reason I watched that show. Um, I like Game of Thrones. I'll watch that. I'll watch the shit out of that. Uh, you know, anything that's good. Sherlock is really good. Um, as documentaries, I'm a documentary fiend. Uh, mostly art. And uh, uh, for some reason, I've gotten really into the serial killer documentaries recently, which is just because it's dark and creepy, but it's kind of cool. Um, nice. 
Yeah, I, I read graphic novels and comics. I like reading old stuff. Uh, some of the new stuff, Grant Morrison, whatever, that Batman stuff he did for a while, that was really cool. I mean, you know, anything that comes out the top for, for, for the geek uh, uh, geek culture out there, I'm, I'm into it, man. Like the Avengers movies and this. And then the, was that the Dragon Ball Z movie that just came out? Uh, Superman? Mm-hmm. Superman, uh, Man of Steel. Man of Steel. Yeah, the Dragon Ball Z movie, I like to call it. Um, I was into that, you know, even though it sucked. Now, why do you why do you, was, why do you call it the Dragon Ball Z movie? Because at the end, him and Zod look like Dragon Ball Z, like like those two dudes just firing energy at each other, and blowing shit up, and the all destruction porn, you know. <laughs> nice. Oh my <laughs> at the god! End, at the end, spoiler alert: you know, Superman's a murderer. Okay, pass. You know, right, right. Right. wow. We had lots of dialogues about that in our show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just throw down the truth, man. But you know, I'm also watching animation. I love scouring YouTube for for uh, indie animation, like shorts and stuff. Um, I found quite a few good things. Vimeo is a good place to go. Uh, you know, or um, I'm working on my own stuff. I'm animating this uh, thing right now. Where oh, you guys are gonna like this, man? I I, I found an interview, uh, an old like 30 second clip uh, interview with Charles Manson. And he does this weird, crazy crap where he's all like doing these funny faces when they ask him this and that. I'm taking that and I'm using it as my my live action reference, and I'm animating it in the style of like, um, like the classic style Joker from from the Batman Batman from like the '70s, '80s, even maybe even a little bit from the Bruce Timm era. Um, I'm doing this Joker, and he's doing the exact same thing that that Manson was. I'm trying to match it up but with the Joker in a cell inside of Arkham. It's looking pretty good. It's, like, it's only going to be like a 20 or 30 second test, but it's going to be fully animated, frame by frame. I'm using a Cintiq for the first time. No paper. And I'm really excited about that. What a dark man. I'm totally excited about that stuff, man. I think that Joker has to be one of the, uh, one of the best me. villains in comic book history. I so agree with you, man. The, 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 the Joker is, um, he's just, the scariest thing in the world. He's he's just random violence and chaos, man. Right. You know, at least You're Lex Luthor can. Yeah, at least Lex Luthor can be reasoned with. You know, reasoned with Lex Luthor. Roll. Have you seen um, the animated um, Dark Knight Returns? Uh, yeah. the, the, the Joker there. Yeah. I, that, yeah. That was some creepy stuff there. <laughs> yeah, they took him into a dark place, man. Well, did you guys ever read Alan Moore's uh, Killing Joke? No, I, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, that's the quintessential. That's the quintessential uh, Joker story. I think if you can find it, you can probably find it, find it online. I think the, the somewhere like on some PDF or something. I'll send you guys a link. But it, it, it's it's such an awesome Batman slash Joker story. It's I don't even want to say anything because I don't want to spoil it. It's, it's, you guys haven't read it. Oh my god. I, <laughs> It's awesome. The artwork is beautiful. Brian Boland. Are you guys familiar with Brian Boland? You get a lot of uh, Judge Dredd stuff. Oh, okay. man. Yeah. Uh-oh. Good drawings. Good drawings, and it's just creepy as hell. It's uh, kind of along the lines, maybe not as... The artwork is a little more conservative than that Arkham Asylum one, that painted weird one. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Right. Mm-hmm. What was that graphic novel called? Was it called Arkham, I think? I think it was. It was like just inside this madhouse. It was all nightmares and stuff. That was a pretty good book, too. Right. But, but this one's a little more conservative, and it's Alan Moore. So it's heavy duty, you know. And Batman looks bad in it. 
Hmm. His Batmobile, in this one, he has the, the Batmobile with the big Batman face on the front, the old school one. So cool, man. Wow, that is awesome. Hey, Ro, how, how did you end up, uh, let's back up, how did you end up getting into animation, period? Well, I'll tell you, when I was, let's see, when I was six years old, I remember, and this is like the turning point in my life. This is like when, I'll just relate it to Batman again. This is like when my parents got shot, you know, Bruce Wayne's parents got shot. This is the moment that happened to me. I was watching PBS, and this little documentary came out about the making of, uh, uh, what was it called? The Rocky and Bullwinkle Show. Okay, this was like, I was a kid. I was, I was 78, 79. I was like five or six. And this was on, uh, on PBS. And I'm just watching these guys drawing. I'm like, oh, my God, they're, they're drawing cart. They're drawing WD. Like, holy shit. And then I'm like, wait a minute. And the guy took the stack of drawings and flipped it. And, and it's Dudley Duet walking across the screen. And I, I lost it. I couldn't. Uh, it was that moment I realized that cartoons were not real. Remember, I was little. Right. I, I go, they're, oh, they're drawings? You mean I can make cartoons? Holy shit! I want to do this! And I just really got into um, drawing at that point, drawing cartoons, comics and stuff, and I just, was, just did it all the time. And by the time I was like 12, 10, or a few years later, this thing came on TV on, on The Wonderful World of Disney, this, this, um, this special... I was 12 years old, I remember, it was like 1984. Um, Haley Mills was doing a special on the, the, the Illusion of Life, it was called. And she was talking to these old animators, Frank and Ollie at Disney Studios and stuff. And they showed Glenn Keane. I don't know if you guys know who that guy is. Um, Glenn Keane was, was the top dude at Disney. He's the guy that animated like, and designed like, the main characters, like the, the, uh, the Mermaid, uh, the Beast, okay. Aladdin, Aladdin, Tarzan, Pocahontas, mm-hmm. and, and then Long John Silver um, on Treasure Planet. He's the main dude, man, and um, I saw him flip a page that he did of some animation from uh, the Fox and the Hound, where it had the this giant grizzly bear fighting the the little fox that's trying to bite his ear. He turns around, it's all, it's a giant paper that he was holding, and it was all covered with like charcoal. And it was all like like blood and just you know tears, and the, the paper's all jacked up. Look, he's been working on it for a long time. And he flipped it. And it's like, oh my god, this bear came to life, and I go ah, and I had a revelation. I go, I want to work with this guy, man. I want, to, I want to be trained. I want to work with him. And I got in at Disney finally after trying all those years, you know, training and learning and taking courses. And I was good enough to get in. They hired me. Uh, about six years into it, uh, he picked me out of the group just by looking at my animation reel, not knowing who I am. He picked me to be his assistant when he came back from Paris to do a Treasure Planet. So I was his assistant, his That's right hand awesome. on Treasure Planet. Was, yeah. That's awesome. Holy yeah. cow. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> So I, I can say, that's like a little kid saying, one day I want to be an astronaut, Mommy, and getting it, you know? Right. Or, Mommy, one day I want to pitch for the, for the Dodgers and getting it. That, that's the odds, and I did it, you know? So right. after that... Oh, I'm getting the kid who wants to pitch for the Dodgers. Yeah, <laughs> well... I'm so, I'm so, I'm so <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> We've come from behind before. We've come from behind before. No, but I know. The Dodgers are blue because they always choke. I know. Oh, buddy. That's okay. Us, guys, us Philly fans can't talk this year at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy for the Nationals. It's not easy for us this year. Poor little guys. Really? Mm. Well, you know, you can always do it. You can just throw money at the problem. You know? <laughs> it still doesn't help. 
It's still no, no, no. this year. <laughs> no. But that's a whole different other kind of podcast. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of how I got in there. It was my, my destiny, I guess, because I wanted to do this since I was a little kid. Um, I've always been as passionate about it as you guys hear me talking now. Um, that passion does not go away because of the, that little child, that little guy, that little sexy standing in front of the TV screaming years ago. He's still inside me. I haven't let go of him. And I think that's what, that's what helps me get through this because – that sense of wonderment that I saw when, when they flipped those pages of Dudley Do Right to when I first hit play on some animation that I just did, it's the same rush. It doesn't go away. I said, oh, oh boy, it's going to move. And I go, click. I think if you have that and you can maintain that childlike sense of wonderment and uh, you can you know, not, not bury the child or whatever, you, you, can, you can totally just you're the best cartoonist. I mean, that helps a lot. So even after all these years, you still get that feeling? Yes. That is awesome. Every time, every time I get play, it's like heroin, you know, or crack or whatever you want to call it. I don't care. That must be like that. <laughs> right, right. That, 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 that's awesome because, I mean, you know, sometimes, I'm sure sometimes it feels like a job, but it sounds like many times it's just there's a rush you're getting from it. So. Well, I love to draw, just drawing. And, and just the fact that I'm drawing something, I'm trying to make it look as good as I can, that fulfills me a lot, you know, whether it's for a commercial or a TV show or whatever. It, it is fulfilling, but yes, after watching, oh my God, this is for the man. I'm tired of doing this for the man. And, you know, <laughs> and it's like, this isn't mine. So it, at the same time, all production artists that, at least the ones that want to keep their minds um, or, or have some sense of purpose as an artist, instead of just being a, a, a hired fist for another studio, you have to work on your own stuff, your private stuff, your personal stuff. Right, because I've done a bunch of little shorts and stuff I have on YouTube and animatics that I've done, and just and I've developed a whole bunch of different ideas and properties for you know movies and television. I've pitched a few of them, but I'm trying to kind of just gather them up a little more. And I'm going to go on a big pitching spree probably in about a year or so. Awesome. Um, I've got to, yeah. Make sure, make sure, you, just, make sure you drop the link to your YouTube channel so we can point people that direction. Sure, man. I'll, I'll even drop a link to my blog and podcast channel. Uh, a- absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, that'd be that. Uh, so that that would be cool as well. Um, Roll when when somebody comes to you and, with a concept of whatever whatever they, they want to create. Um, what what goes in your mind when they're telling you um, this this kind of world this create they want to create or these characters they want to create? I mean, y- you have to you know somehow help bring that vision to life. Um, describe that process. But you mean if somebody's hiring me to bring their vision to life? Yeah. Or somebody's just, okay. Uh, um, I, I, the first thing I do, I guess the first thing I do is just listen, listen carefully to the story and try to find what is it they're trying to say. What is, what's the essence of all this? If it's a, you know, it's, uh, this, if I can think while they're telling me this, I can think, okay, this is a coming of age tale. This little boy needs to leave his childhood behind and grow up. Okay, that's a good idea. Or it's boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl. Okay, I got you. Or this is, the, you know, the hero's journey. Or what is he trying to tell me? What's the, and if I can distill it, then I'll go, okay, now I listen more. Okay, what's this character about? You know, am, am I inter- is it interesting? Is the character doing cool things? Um, is he following a predictable path? Like, then I start getting turned off. So it's like... I, I, first I look at it as, well, is this a good story with interesting characters? And then if it passes that test, then I look at it as, okay, 
How many different backgrounds are there? How many different characters are there? And I start breaking it down into the essence of it to make it into a cartoon. Like, what's it going to take? You know? Mm. This sounds like it'll be a 90-minute feature. Holy crap, that's pretty huge. Or, you know what? This would probably be good as a short. Okay, okay. Or, you know, and then I start thinking about what style. Would this look better in a more cartoony, SpongeBob kind of way? Or would this look better as a, you know, Batman animated series, Justice League kind of like more realistic, you know, right? You know, comic right. booky kind of way. Or do we go for a Hallmark, you know, card look, you know, New Yorker cartoon look, or there's a million, Mad Magazine, you know, what kind of style are we looking at for the drawing part of it? And then I start thinking about how many people, the crew, and, you know, I start adding things up and figuring out logistics, but I could just get that from a pitch, you know, and then mm-hmm. I could know if, if this is something that we can pursue or this is something that's, uh, you know, too much out there, it's too, it's too uh, extravagant, which is what people tend to do. People tend to get too extravagant and epic, and there's no story behind it, and it's just you're in the Lucas room, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it sounds like in order to be success, one of the things to be successful, just from what you're saying, is you have to be able to draw in a ton or a myriad of various animation styles. Yeah, yeah. Because every show you're on is different. Every movie that we did at Disney, we changed the style kind of with a drawing. If, if you look at it, you know, like Atlantis. We try to do it in a more comic book style, uh, as opposed to The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which is more illustrative, which, you know, Pocahontas was more like, uh, that was illustrative, too. That was all pure figure drawing, man. Um, and then you look at something like, something a little wackier, like The Emperor's New Groove, that was more cartoony, you know? Right. Um, with a terrible title, by the way. Um, <laughs> wow, boy, they were really trying to be hip. And the, worst, the, the only way to not be hip, the best way to not be hip is to try to be hip, you know? Right. right. Try to cool I enjoyed the movie, band. though. It is a great movie, but the, the title of it was really dumb. <laughs> um, but, so it's, it's, it's just a matter of, of prioritizing also and thinking, you know, what, what kind of story do I want to hear if I'm, if I'm in the, you know, looking at somebody, else to, somebody else's idea? Am I interested in this? Or in my case, more like I like to work on my own stuff. What do I want to say? What do I want to tell? Mm. You know? mm. what, what do I want to say? And then that, I'll build a story around that. Yeah. Um, but I, I get I get hit up by a lot of people online asking me if I could help them with their dream project, and I'm like, sure. I go, what kind of budget do you have? And they're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I go, so you want? Yeah, let me get this straight. You want me to develop your dream project for free? Um, <laughs> and if if in the chance that you sell it, you might give me money or you might give me a job. But I get to create it all. Do all the work. You're just the one that came up with the idea. That's about a little boy who thinks he's an angel. Okay, that's all you gave me. You know, uh, you're not paying me squat. <laughs> pass. I'll pass. Right. You know, would you get? Would you get your your your? Would you, if your mechanic fixed your car, would you ask him to do it for free? If, uh, would you ask a lawyer to represent you in court for free? Would you ask a doctor to treat you for free? No. But people always ask artists to work for free, and that drives. I never understood that. They don't value, well, they value the work just enough to think it's cool, but they don't value it enough because we enjoy doing it in their mind. So it's not really work. So that's where the value lessens, you know? But it's just as hard to make a comic book than it is to, uh, to dig a ditch. You know, it just, it takes, it's, it's work. True. It's, it's, you know, mm-hmm. people don't get that, man. Even if the, I love doing what I do, it, like you guys said, it's still work. At the end of the day, I'm pooped. And you got to eat, too. Absolutely. And I got it. I just pay the bills. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Absolutely. If I want something for free, it's going to be mine. 
some my stuff, right? <laughs> you know? Or I'm going to partner up with somebody to be an equal partner. That's different. But if you're just going to hire me, like as a hired, uh, uh, for hire or whatever, and, and, and you want me to design your car, make your cartoons, <laughs> and you're not going to pay me, <laughs> go look somewhere else. And you know what? You get what you pay for, man. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right, right. I've had people say they want the Disney look. They want Disney quality, and they're willing to pay crap. Or when I tell them what my fee is, they flip. Well, it's, it's, you're, you, you've worked on Disney. You've worked on, you're, you're, you're not exactly like the kid who's at the corner mall drawing things for five bucks or the dude at the corner in Times Square doing like a, a caricature for ten bucks. And I, and I, I understand that. And I, and I think a lot of people just don't kind of equate that together. And it's, it's, it's disappointing, especially with, it's very clear the work that you've done. And they just don't, th- they just don't, they don't think it, they don't think it through. If they really thought it through, they would they would say, "Wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. This guy's work for right. me. Why, 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 why in the heck would he ever do it for free?" Yeah, like if somebody goes, uh, "Hey, can you draw me a, a really cool pinup of of you know the Catwoman jumping in the air, looking all really pretty and sexy, and just like awesome?" And, and uh, do you want the city escape in the background? Like, yeah, yeah, I want it. Okay, okay, so you want it in color, black and white, color, color. All right, so it take me about two hours. Um, you know, and I'll just say, I'm just going to throw a number out there. This is not my rate, but I'm just going to throw a number. Uh, it'll be 500 bucks. And it'll be like, what? <laughs> but it'll only take you like an hour or two to do it, man. Come on. And it's like, no, it's it's an hour or two plus 35 years. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you something. Like, what would be... What would be the dream, you know, knock on the door, what would be the dream project to get to work on if, if let's say, DC or Marvel came to you and said, We're, we want you to reboot something, what would it be? Oh, okay, something that already exists? That, that, that something I that already, yeah, you just watch, yeah, um, something that's driving you nuts and you're like, oh, no, 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 I want, it should be this way, it should be this way. You could reboot it any way you wanted, what would you reboot? Oh, sheesh, where do I start, man? Um, <laughs> well, we've only I, got like I, like 10 more minutes, dude, so. <laughs> I, would love, I would love to. I'm sorry, you asked the question. I'm, you know, <laughs> sure, fall down. I, 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 I would just, I don't know, I would just like to try, I'd like to try my hand at some Batman stories. That would be fun. Uh, my, my try, my take, or, or something with the big characters, you know. I'd like to do something with the Fantastic Four at Marvel. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that, that that's something that needs to be uh, I don't know reviewed a little bit. They're, they're not I don't I don't hear about it much. All I hear about is Iron Man and, and Avengers and Hulk and Spider Man and Punisher, you know, mutants. But I never hear much about the Fantastic Four. So we're gonna play with that a little bit, I guess. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I, you know what I would I would love to do an animated version of Groove the Wanderer, Sergio Aragones' character, the guy from Mad Magazine. I would love to do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> that awesome. awesome. That was yeah, good. There's an awesome. animation of Gru on my on my YouTube channel that I did. It looks just like Sergio Drew almost. Nice. Mm. nice. So that. So folks want to follow you. They got you on the. You got a Twitter handle. Yeah, Twitter handle just Raul Aguirre Jr. Or just type in Man vs. Art. M A N B S A R T. I'll take you there. Facebook. You got. You're on the YouTube. You're on the Vimeo, dude. You're everywhere. It's awesome. Yeah, I know. So it's just work. Yeah. Google Very Plus. Cool. I, I, I Google Plus. I go all the way. I always ignore it, but you know. Oh, me too. I I I never use Google Plus, but we have a Google Plus page. Mm-hmm. But, 
I grew up. I, I, I just don't think it's there yet. There's the. It, it's too. It's too young. Yeah, it is. But dude, I it was. I'm so glad that you could come and chit chat with us. Absolutely. And just kind of shoot the breeze and. And I wanted everyone to get a chance to, to, to hear you and to learn about you and learn about man versus art. Because I know we've got a lot of creative listeners out there. And I have been listening to your podcast while I'm doing some of my work. And it's just, it's kind of, it's a cool thing. And I'm, I'm learning things. It's, you know, one to grow on. So, dude, thank you so much for coming. You're really welcome. Or less. So I am Sci-Fi 5 and 5. It's all yours tonight. You just got back from this little small itty-bitty con in New York called New York Comic Con. Yeah, there weren't a lot of people there, like 150,000! Yeah, yeah, so crazy. a little bit, little bit smaller than Farpoint, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was... I don't, I don't, I wish I had the skill to really describe exactly what I went through, but I wanted to, you guys, I, I have five moments that I wanted, I picked out that I, in no particular order, but they were just super cool. Um, and one of the big moments was the volume and quality of cosplay. Now, cosplay is when you dress up like your favorite character from a TV show or a movie or a video game or a character you've created for something. And there were thing, there were people who, you know, dressed up really simple. And then there were the folks who, you know, they spent hours and hours working on stuff. And it was an honor to get to take pictures of them. So I posted a bunch. I still have a bunch more onto the website. So the cosplay was epic. My favorite were the family cosplays. Um, there was a family that I met that the dad was dressed like, um, e uh, not Eagle Eye, uh, from the Avengers. Eagle Eye? The dude, Eagle the Eye. archer. Hawkeye. Hawkeye, yeah. Hawkeye. <laughs> and then the Scott Johansson character was the mom. And then they had a three-year-old Thor who was so cute. And then they had a 10-month-old Captain America. Awesome. And it was... And you saw that everywhere. There was one family that had like their little kid in a in a in a wagon, but the wagon was made up like a Dalek. There was another kid who we met. Um, I have a picture of him with Grant Imahara from um, uh, MythBusters, and he dressed himself up like a like a Dalek. And then when we, I wanted to check it out, and I looked inside. It's his walking. It's what helps him walk because he has um, muscular dystrophy, awesome. and. 
so his I've just I I cried a little. I was like, "You're the coolest parent ever," <laughs> and just it it was everywhere. There was one dude in a suit that was like he ended up he was at least fifteen feet tall. It was just amazing. So cosplay, awesome moment. Um, sitting in the Geek and Sundry panel is no, moment number four. Uh, Felicia Day is the most genuine. I mean, I, I she's made of Pez. She's just adorable. She was really honest about her show and what's going on. And she, as she, she said, you know, I loved writing the guild. And I found uh, when I finished the sixth season, writing the sixth season, she did. She just realized it was kind of at a natural point of stopping. So she doesn't want to force the story. She doesn't want to give. She doesn't just want to placate people. She wants to give them what they deserve. And I, I respect that a lot along with a lot of the other content on Geek and Sundry. And she shared a lot about herself. And she just made herself even more adorable. To Like, she just is. And that was very, very cool and really set the bar for all the other panels I went to. Um, number three for me was just the enormity of it all. I mean, the Javits Center is huge. And the whole thing was nothing but Comic-Con and the booths and, and some of them were two stories tall and lighting implements and everything. And then Artist Alley was in a whole different section of the building. It was, I think we clocked it at, well, we walked around on Friday. It was probably about six and a half, seven miles of walking, just going back and forth. And the amount of stuff there, it was amazing. Um, Moment number two for me was the 25th anniversary X Files channel. Oh, I saw channel. You talking about that in the news. <sighs> David Duchovny and Jillian were just, and I think David had had a couple because he was hilarious. <laughs> he was so hilarious, and at one point he told the moderator, "Okay, I, we've got enough questions for you. What about these guys?" And he kept telling the moderator, no, I want to, I want to talk to these guys. <laughs> and he's pointing out in the audience. And they were ridiculous. And the end of the panel, one dude walked up and said that, and look, I, I, need, I have two questions. I need your blessing. And they're like, what do you need a blessing for? And he turned and he said, because question number two is I'm going to ask, I want my girlfriend to marry me. And well, everybody, I started to cry because I was like, this is the cutest suite. It was, <laughs> I've heard about this, but I didn't think it actually happened. And it happened right there. And so the cameras all turn and I'm watching, I'm waiting. Just All I can see is the back of her head and I see her ponytail going up and down. So I knew she said yes. And then Jillian Anderson and David Duchovny were like, well, you know, if, did you say yes? Okay, well, come up here. If we're going to give you a blessing. We're going to give you a hug. So they, they invited them up and gave them a huge hug and took pictures. It was wonderful. Oh. It was something I, I heard happens with these things, but never really believed it really happened or it had to be rare. And there it was. It was awesome. And then the best, there, the, there's a tie for the best moments. Um, I was walking through the, through the, on the main floor and it was really crowded. And I have a problem with lots and lots of people. And being crowded, it freaks me out a little bit. And I hear this voice behind me go, excuse me. And I froze. And my buddies were with me and they're like, what's wrong? And I said, it's the guy. What guy? That guy, that guy from the movie with the vampires and the lichens and the people and the underworld. It's that guy. And they're like, well, go find him. And I think I must have leapt 
<laughs> about three aisles at once. And I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, I'm blanking because I adore the work that you do. And he's like, I'm not Michael Clark Duncan. I said, I know you're not Michael Clark Duncan. <laughs> you're the guy, you're the brains behind Underworld and you're working on I, Frankenstein and you create the most amazing characters and I love you and I think it's great. And he just put on the, he had the biggest grin and we had a nice little chat and he gave me a big hug and took a picture. It was um, Kevin Gravois. He is, you can't miss him. I mean, he's got that iconic voice. He was just on Face Off, too. He, he's like, do you have a car? We started talking about voice work, and he took my card, and he took a picture. He was so, so generous. That was great. And then a half hour later, I'm walking along, and I hear a voice that I cannot deny from the, um, from the Mutant Ninja Turtles panel. And I turn, and there is Rob Paulson. Awesome. <laughs> and I lose my crap all over again. And I'm just staring at him. And then he kind of, he says, okay, I'm here for pictures, but i got to talk to that girl. And he points at me, and I'm like, he's got to talk to me. <laughs> and but the friends who were with me just were like, that was unbelievable. And I said, I know. And he took my card, and I said, I would love, do you, have, you know, I know you're really busy, but do you ever take a time? Do you ever, have you ever just, oh, I've got this. It was great. It was great. And I think that's the quintessential experience at these events. It right. is that little moment of, oh, oh, my God, I'm about to lose my business right now. And having that moment with someone that you respect and admire and follow, and then they, they reciprocate. Not only have they given you that thing that they create, but they're, they're doing it right in front of you, and they're willing to give you the hug or the signature or picture or do the voice or anything. And it's, that, to me, is the quintessential moment. Those two little, with um, Kevin and with Rob Paulson, those were the best. And I think an honorable mention was that I went up there with two dear friends and who I don't get to spend a lot of time with. And we, we hit the ground running at 10 in the morning on Friday and did not stop between the floor and the panels and the signings and the this and the that until 8 o'clock when we got back to the apartment. And I was almost in tears because I was so tired. <laughs> but just ha experiencing that with really great pals and meeting new people, it's it, it's an absolute mention. So, uh, you know, a big shout-out to my boys who stuck with me um, through the experience. It was amazing. And it's, it's, a, it's an event of a lifetime, and I recommend everybody go next year because it's over now. Awesome. And that's it. No, oh, that's awesome. It sounds like you had a really, really good experience, Sam. You going to go back next year? I'm telling you, I'm – Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm Comic-Con drunk right now. Really there, you go. there you so, go. There you go. So one important thing I took out of what, what M said was the, the family that Cos plays together stays together. Yeah, basically that's what I'm hearing. That's exactly what she said. Mm -hmm. yeah. Indeed. Indeed. But you don't have to cosplay because I get weirded out by doing it. I don't feel comfortable. I, it's just not 100% me, but I have so much respect for everybody who goes out and really just puts their 1,000% into it. And I, I love it. I love it. To so keep on. If you were there, send pictures. Because I want to. I know I missed. I've maybe got a tenth. Oh, I'm sure. A hundredth sure. of a percent. All right. Well, we got to wrap up the show here. Em, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your Comic-Con experience. We'll share more Sorry, on this for feedback show. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we got to check on out of here. And uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And if you have any thoughts about some of the things we talked about, 
You can share them by calling the number that you're going to hear at the end of the show, and we'll play it on our listener feedback show. I believe that's about it, guys. Thank oh. you for joining us. All right. Till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Everybody do your dailies. Woohoo! Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food and the service and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about, or tell us what you're watching or reading, flip open your communicators and contact us at one 508 4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com or send an MP3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash diner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi diner podcast.com. <laughs>